podcasting from Chico, California, tucked in between some of Northern California's best freshwater fisheries. This is the Barbless Podcast, a podcast about NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fisheries management, and sustainability. If you have ideas or any questions for the show, leave the guys a voice message on the Barbless Podcast hotline, area code 530-636-2523. Also check out http colon slash slash podcast.barbless.co, where you can download past episodes and show notes. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at barbless.co and connect with them on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash barbless.co. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. Fish on. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. With us tonight is Chad Alexander from the Department of Fish and Game. Chad, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Uh, Chad's a warden. So, officer. Yes, sir. Officer. Yeah, he's, he's, ar- <laughs> he's armed right now. He's, got, he's packing heat. He's got a vest on, ready to go. So... We're all in good company, so hopefully that gun doesn't. We hope this come is out. the only time you get to hear his voice. Yeah, right ready, ready to go outside and sweat, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, first thing I want to do, what we're going to talk about today is basically we got a lot of questions. We reached out to a lot of our, our guide friends. Uh, there's been questions coming in on the hotline. Um, so first and foremost, I want to thank the, the following listeners and guides that have given us kind of some insights into uh, what we were going to ask today. So uh, Jason Lozano, thanks. Mac Noble, Jordan Romney, Matt Heron, and Darren Deal. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the help on this one. Um, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty, I want to just plug a few things. Uh, we, we've got the podcast website up. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash the Barbless Podcast. You guys can uh, follow us there. Uh, Instagram, it is barbless, at Barbless Co. Um, on Twitter, Barbless Co. And then if you want to subscribe to the podcast, which you probably are if you're listening to this already, but if you have others that are asking send them to podcast.barbless.co. Uh, from there, top right, there's a follow us button. On that, we'll, you can go to iTunes or Google Play Store. Uh, finally, the hotline. So we've got a hotline. So call 530-636-2523. If you have any questions, feedback on any episode, we will bring it into the next show and try and answer it for you guys. Even if it's feedback on audio levels, which we've gotten, we're trying to fix that. Uh, stuff like that is awesome. So with that, thanks, guys, and I'll turn it over to Nick Hanna. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chad, for Alexander. Yeah, for <laughs> Chad and Chad. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I'm going to call it Chad Chadley. He's Chadley tonight. Okay. And then just you, officer. Oh, Is that yeah, right? no, just call me Chad. It's okay. <laughs> um, thanks a lot for coming in you and bet. doing this with us. Yeah. Um, thanks for just being out there and helping everybody with issues that you know we face on day-to-day. Um, it's tough, I know, for you guys for what you have to deal with. It can be, yeah. Just, you know, um, there's a lot of people doing bad things out there and and not a lot of wardens out there. So you guys are pretty, you guys have your hands full. So we we really appreciate the effort and the help. We we appreciate when we have the people that are out there doing the sport and calling us and telling us when there's something going on. That's, that makes a huge difference. So that was one of the questions. If, and people do want to call, what's the number that they call to, to um, report something or if they see something on you know generally i try to tell people just call the cow tip line i yeah. do occasionally have people say like hey we can't get through on that line and, and whatnot i believe the best number to call that gets uh through to our dispatch in a, in a fairly quick manner is uh, it's a 
358-1300. And that seems cool. to be the best number to get And through. we'll put that in the show notes for everybody so you guys don't need to write that down and stack your truck into the tree that you just <laughs> went by. <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself, Chad. How did you, um, how did you become a warden? Where did you grow up and what, what made you get into the into the industry uh i grew up down uh in watsonville down on the monterey bay that area down there um you know i i've grown up hunting and fishing and enjoyed the sports i uh started off uh going to cabrillo college and doing the the uh law enforcement major thing and Mm -hmm. did a ride along actually with a game warden down there and you know it was tough at the time they weren't uh hiring white male adults as, as well as, um, other people. And I, uh, he told me that it was, it would be better if I majored in wildlife sciences, so on and so forth, and did, did a minor in law enforcement. And I was like, wow, that wasn't really the course I was looking at, but right, right. okay. So, you know, I, I, I did the law enforcement thing for a while, changed over, did some firefighting stuff for a while and eventually made it back to the point where I put in my application our academy was in Napa back then, and I, I went to the academy and, and did well there. And my first position was down on one of our patrol, uh, patrol boats down out of Moss Landing. Okay. So I did five and a half years down there and uh, eventually moved up here to Chico, and I've been here ever since. I've been doing the job for a little over 18 years now. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I don't think I would do anything else. That's so. pretty cool. Yeah. What, what do you enjoy the most about it? Um, for me, I think I enjoy the people like talking to the hunters and the fishermen, not um, thumping heads, not at all. You know, <laughs> quite honestly, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of people that think, you know, right. that, right. you know, us writing tickets and things like that might be enjoyable. Not necessarily. I'd, I'd much rather see somebody following the law, uh, maybe give them a little, some pointers on how to follow it better, or where mm-hmm. the information is instead of actually having to go out there and, and write them a ticket. But we all know there's different, you know, levels of violations and negligence, just, you know, no, not common sense. And then the people that actually are out there trying to poach stuff and, and take it away from all of us. So, right. but, uh, yeah, I, I actually enjoy the people, you know, the most I enjoy talking, you know, they're happy. I haven't, I bought a license for 20 years. I've never been contacted by a warden and you finally get to talk to them and have a conversation. And, and I don't, I'm not one of those people to just like rush off. I got something better to do. I actually try to you know, talk to people I'm out there in the field. So that's great. What did anything change from when you were coming into it to, to now and your, just your, your view of being a warden or, um, I, I really feel like I've had that same view. I've always kind of, um, tried to take the, the standpoint that, you know, you don't write a ticket for everything. We have discretion to use people right. make mistakes and, right. and things happen. We're all humans. Yeah. yeah there, there's, there's always some circumstances. Now, granted, I've learned over the years that, you know, people are, a lot of people are just going to feed you a line of bull. And that's the hard thing to distinguish is when you're just being told a story and, and you know, how many times you've heard that story as mm-hmm. to when somebody's actually legitimately telling you like, Hey, I really screwed up. And more times than not, when I have a person that right off the bat just tells me, Hey, I screwed up and here's what I did. I'm more apt to give that person a break sure. than the person that I have to go strike one, strike two. And on strike three, they finally tell me the truth. But then it's like, well, you lied to me two other times. So now <laughs> yeah. what do I do? <laughs> right. So, you know, Credibility you, yeah, you know, you, you, you really, that's what I tell them. I said, Hey, if, right off the bat, just tell the truth. There's no reason hiding it. Cause generally speaking, 
I mean, I don't know, maybe eight times out of ten, I've already sat in the bushes and watched you do it a couple (laughs) times. You might as well just tell me, you know. One of our listeners wanted to know why there wasn't anybody at the outlet with all the people that that, were there right now. I saw that question. And it's like, I'm sure that they are there. Yeah, I'm sure that they're at the outlet. Yeah, I saw that question. I was like, how do you know we're not there? (laughs) 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 What are you talking about? (laughs) So, yeah, you know, we're we're around. We're quite often um, sitting back watching things. Sometimes we're more visible than than other times but um it's not it's not an easy deal a lot of people don't understand what we need to have to actually put a case together to take it to court and, and whatnot and, right. and be successful in court that's the end we don't want to waste our time the public's time or anything else so we're pretty careful with what we do so. hey, what would you say are your uh, favorite hiding spots I'm just yeah kidding. exactly <laughs> wouldn't you like to know huh? yeah wait till i use that invisible drone <laughs> that's got to be coming right if they're not already using it uh, <laughs> What, uh, what do you see a lot of people um, messing in the fishing world? What do you see a lot of them messing up with, uh, you know, as far I mean, as I mean, not bringing their license like, out? Yeah, or? I mean, probably the most common thing is just like, hey, okay, somebody doesn't bring their license with them. Like, oh, I forgot mm-hmm. it at home. Or they think that we have some tablet that we're going to check it on and stuff. And we don't. The, regu- the regulations actually require you to have your license in possession. We don't make right. you wear it on the outside of your jacket anymore because we all know that green paper fades a little bit in the sun and whatnot, but you have to have it on you. Mm -hmm. And so they don't understand that. Like when they say, well, I have one at home. Well, okay. Yeah, maybe you do. That's probably the biggest line that I hear is like, well, I have it at home. Well, how do I know that? You know, I have it in the car. I'll walk back to the car more times than not and, and check it out. But you know, saying I have it at home, that doesn't necessarily cut it. My so. biggest problem is like, I'll go from guiding to fishing myself, you know, and then back to guiding. I'm moving around with like different, my boat and my, my own fishing vest and different, I'll totally misplace it. Right. Yeah. Like I, said, I just won't bring it out. And so I've always wanted, you I know, know what, it's, I know I'm going to get, you, you know guys what are my wife catch me does? She, she taught me this one. This is a good she one. She took her, her license. You know, the new ones are all like on that polyurethane stuff. Yeah. She folds it up, puts it between her phone and her case. So it just gets sandwiched in her phone behind, and, and that's where I have mine. And I Isn't never it sad, it. though, we all have our phone with us more than we yeah. like have our wallet with us? <laughs> yeah, and as long as you don't lose your phone, you've got your license on you at all Pretty all much. I, like, I keep mine in my wallet, you know, and yeah. I always have that with me. My hunting license, fishing license type of stuff, and... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, tags, you know, they're usually in my pack that I'm going to use if I'm going hunting or, or whatnot. And, but, uh, you know, my ab cards with all my ab gear, you know, when I go diving or something, it's there. So that's kind of how I do it. I get a lot of questions. Um, do I need a steelhead card where I'm fishing? And, uh, and most of the time it's like, well, if there's steelhead here, yeah, yeah, yeah you pretty do, much. You if do you're targeting one. steelhead, you need to have a steelhead report card. You know, I mean, people ask them every once in a while, do I need to have a salmon card? And I know that's more prevalent out on the coastal Klamath waters. And and exactly. Yeah, yeah. Around here, you don't have to have that. But most right. of our inland waters, rivers here in, in California, if you're steelhead fishing, you got to have that steelhead report card. And, and I tell people, you know, it's important to put that information on there. You know, a lot of people are wondering, well, what do you do with it? And, you know, I, I know it's it's biological data for us to see, mm-hmm. you know, how many days people are spending in the field fishing, you know, what they're catching, how many are, you know, hatchery yeah. and, and whatnot. And and that gives our biologists an idea of like, where do they need to put more fish? Maybe, you know, how they're going to move that information around. Yeah, so. that, that kind of, we've got a question later, but now that we were on the topic, um, technology, you know, and, and how, how we collect data right now it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of in my point in my mind it's a bit archaic because I, you know, i've got a technology background mm-hmm. so like the the steelhead report cards and the exit surveys that they do on some of the major you know major access areas mm-hmm. it, are the do you know if there's any plans to kind of you know, i don't know that i mean that? i i i get i understand that like 
public wise is going to be way ahead of, you know, departments when it comes to technology and stuff. Yeah. I think the departments try to do what they can, but they're always a few steps behind as the, te- I mean, as we know, you know, you buy a camera today, tomorrow they made a new one that's better. So, right. um, I, I think they're always trying to keep up, but I do not know actually if, uh, we're have anything new coming out in yeah. terms of collecting data. So yeah, we've got a couple projects working with CDEC and USGS data and, um, it's, even that's a bit archaic. We're, mm-hmm. we're working through it, but yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's just interesting because uh, some of these biologists, they, they look at these ecosystems and they see, you know, the count of salmon, whether they're low or high, have an effect on that ecosystem. And we had this discussion the other day is, well, if there's too many salmon, that can actually hurt the river or whatever ecosystem you're mm-hmm. talking about. So how cool would it be if that technology and accountability was, was there? And at the moment, you guys can make a decision and say, hey, you know, this, that would I'm be way, say, that'd be way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the last to know. <laughs> uh, right. It, maybe in the future, I, you know, that, like that, that I, I would say that in the future, the, you know, the combination of departments using outside sources for the information and more immediately and stuff will probably mm-hmm. become more prevalent as, as time goes by. Right. Right. Speaking of, um, just what happened recently with the flooding is have you seen or what's been a big impact on the the flooding and the, all the rainfall i would say from it? my perspective just working the river like the different pockets you know places where fish used to be they're they're not you know guys are fishing this spot instead of this spot now because yeah. the chant of the you know the the gravel changed or whatnot right in terms of um like the Wildlife numbers of, and yeah uh, you know, talking to people, I, I know the deer population got hit pretty hard out on the Sacramento oh, river. Wow. There, there was a lot of people telling me they were finding deer carcasses along the edges of the river and whatnot. So the flooding definitely had wow. its effect probably on the deer herd out there, mm-hmm. how it's affected the fish. I mean, definitely it creates pockets in places where fish might be, you know, like something like sturgeon, you know, like maybe you haven't had sturgeon in a certain pocket before. And all of a sudden now people are saying, Hey, I see, I see sturgeon out there rolling now. So things like that, I can see happening with big flood events like that. Right. But right. in terms of like populations and how it's affected, I'm kind of, I'm not sure on that one. Yeah. So that was a specific question about from a hunter about the deer population along. Yeah. The I, I, I think it's still healthy. I mean, I'm seeing lots of deer out there, yeah. but in, so I, and I have no idea like bucks to doe ratios and things like that, that got affected by the flooding. But I do know that, talking to people that work along the river, both, you know, in the orchards and, and doing their jobs in other aspects, they did see a lot of carcasses along the river. So it brings up a, um, one of my friends got a picture of a mountain lion on his game cam mm-hmm. just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on with mountain lions and, um, just the, in your thoughts of them being overpopulated in the valley or in the area, do you, do you find that? To I, I don't or? know. You know, we do, we do have some projects going on where they're, they're tracking mountain lions and seeing mm-hmm. checking territories and, and numbers and stuff like that. There's probably yeah. a biologist that has better, better information, information on that, on that yeah. type of stuff than myself. Yeah. Um, they're out there. I mean, they, there's a number of them, you know, obviously I, I, I don't know what the ratios are. It's uh, so many deer a week that, you know, a lion eats and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's just part of the, the, the whole balance out there and everything is, yeah. is that, but, uh, you know, it'll be something that they always have to factor in as, as time goes by with the population. Have you stuff. ever encountered one hunting yourself? I out? have no? not encountered one hunting. I've obviously dealt with several doing the job in terms mm-hmm. of being in there in the wrong place at the wrong time type of situation. But right. in terms of hunting, um, I've actually, you know, dealt with, I've talked to some other wardens that have had to deal with hunters that encountered lions while they're out there in the field tracking their deer or whatever and mm-hmm. interesting situations, but I haven't had one myself. So, yeah. 
um, he this particular gentleman was worried because he, he we were on a trail and it, a mountain lion was on the same trail only like 30 yards in front of mm-hmm. it and it's pitch black and the thing screamed at him you know and it, it freaked him out pretty good he was i could imagine he was wondering you know what to what point do can i protect myself you know in that situation when when we're confronted i with mean it, and, obviously that's one that's going to be all up to the person at right, the time you know right. that's that's afterwards that's you know the part of the job is yeah. doing the interview finding out what was going on and, and everything yeah. and, and you know you can't armchair quarterback everybody you weren't there right. so you kind of got to See if it, you know, you go through, work through the situation and see where it plays out. And, and, you know, more times than not, most people are trying to do the right thing back out. You know, if, mm-hmm. if a cat starts coming at you, obviously you got to figure out what <laughs> yeah, you're going to do real quick. We were, we were just in the McLeod and between the, me and the truck and a berry bush that was maybe eight feet deep, there was a big, big bear. Oh, yeah, it was huge. And it starts just like, 500 pounds. It starts walking literally like right through the berry bushes. Like it was butter. Oh. And, and it was coming right right towards the truck and i'm like dude get in the truck now yeah. and, but it, he just kind of like laid down and fell asleep yeah he's probably full of berries yeah. <laughs> yeah. berries is fine not legs and arms not so yeah big. exactly do you have any um stories that you're working you've worked on recently or cases that have kind of stood out to yeah, you generally recently? speaking it, it's sometimes it's hard to talk about cases sure. and whatnot sure. um you know we, we've there's always you know, a case, something going on. I mean, right mm-hmm. now, obviously with salmon fishing going on, that's, that's a huge chunk of what we're doing. Dove season opens on Friday. Tomorrow, yeah. We're going to be uh, busy doing that stuff. Um, it, you know, it, there's, there's always something going on. Sure. There are those slower couple of months, you know, February, March until Turkey flooded, season opens yeah. up. Um, but generally speaking, you know, once Dove kicks off, that's kind of like really right. like hunting seasons on now. Did- and, Prior to that, you know, we have the salmon fishing going on, you know, here with the, the sack and the feather. Um, there's always something going on. There's always a spot to go watch it. And, and, you know, there's always calls coming in. Hey, there's something going on here or there. Mm-hmm. So we try to try to get to everything. Are, are you like, are you mostly out in the field or do you, do you occasionally have to come in and it, do It just depends. Work? I mean, so we have our academy here at Butte College. So I help out the academy a lot of times and, and I get um, asked to do some stuff out there. I, I actually like helping uh, with the academy aspect of things. But yeah, I mean, there is the paperwork aspect of things. Some, you know, there's some days where you're just like, oh gosh, I got to get that in. You know, it's, there's a deadline on it or something. Um, you know, we, you get your reports done on time, get them, get stuff turned in. It's that's not that hard. Um, it just depends. It, it really, our job is definitely, you know, one of those ones that fluctuate. We set our own schedules. You have to be uh, fairly motivated to do this job because you know during duck season, if it's, uh, you know some guys going out and shooting early, you know, you're getting out there before he gets there to get in and, and, and watch that person. So yeah. getting up at two thirty or three o'clock in the morning to make it out in the field early or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, you got to do that when you got to get your paperwork done, you got to get your paperwork done. Are you going to, you know, the boss is going to call you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chad, one of the questions from one of the, one of the guides is about drop shot, basically a, a leader system rig that where the bottom most, piece of equipment is basically a, a weight mm-hmm. and the question is around legality is that is that something that's is cool to do or how does that how does that work so yeah how do you guys view it when we talked about that earlier i just flipped into the regs real quick mm-hmm. and under in title 14 2.10 um we basically yeah anything that um, yeah so so 2.10 b and it was uh, under two it says it's unlawful to use any hook which is directly or indirectly attached closer than 18 inches to any weight exceeding a half an ounce. So in my interpretation of that, and we kind of drew that on the board earlier, mm-hmm. 
was if you got a weight at the bottom and then you got about eight, you know, a weight that's half an ounce or less, and then you got 18 inches up to a hook, you'd be legal. I I wouldn't have an issue with that from that's, that's just my interpretation of it looking exactly from what it says. So it's pretty hard to, especially fly fishing, get some weight on your rig. That's over, over a half ounce, you know, that's, yeah, it kind of changes the dynamics of everything a little bit. There's other things in fly fishing that are half ounce, but that's not. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So in, in terms of what you guys are asking, if that's like basically what that person's looking for, there's, it's usually in the regs. I get sometimes it might be difficult to like decipher that. So that's exactly what that means right there. So I think it's, it, it addresses the check nymphing, you know, a lot of people yeah. have been doing lately and with the fly fishing and it's gotcha. It's, you know, you're putting a lot of weight on flies and using those to get down instead of an external weight, mm-hmm. which is neat because, you know, you have direct contact with those flies. Gotcha. So if a fish bites, you're, you're feeling it. Got it. But you're, I mean, it's never been designed to snag fish, you know? No, I, and, and generally that. speaking, I wouldn't think that that's the goal of a of fly fisherman well, anyways right. is to, to snag a fish. I mean, in the end, I, I like, I don't know a ton about fly fishing. I have <laughs> to admit that, but in the end, I I've heard that question similar to it asked before in another, yeah. uh, at another place. And, and that's what that is. And yeah, I, I get it. It's not a snag. I mean, you know, you generally when we're looking at snaggers, a big old weight tied off to right. the bottom of a treble hook, you know, right next to the treble Like you could hook, either so. climb a building with it or snag yeah. a salmon. Yeah, yeah, along those lines. There's <laughs> there's some lures out there that people like to use, you know, from the bank that aren't meant for fishing from the bank, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're meant for jigging from a boat, so. One of our listeners said, uh, what, what's the difference between a fly angler and a conventional angler that you experience out in the, out in the field? And Nothing for me. Like, I don't distinguish between the two. I don't right. pick one They're other all... than the other. I mean, yeah. I've had, I have to tell you, I've had fly fishermen that, you know, have their own issues. You know, they, they tie those flies on and off real quick. And, oh, I forgot to pinch that bar, <laughs> you know, type of deal. So, you know, it happens to everybody. So just, yeah. you know, I, you work with it. You know, you deal with the situation at the time. But mm-hmm. I have... You know, just as many, I, I wouldn't say just as many, but I've had fly fishermen that have had their barbed hooks on just like a bait fisherman might have. So, yeah. Well, speaking of barbed hooks, we, what's the deal with the cotton ball? Do you guys really do that where you swipe the, it doesn't matter for us. Shape. We're always barbless, yeah, right? Chad? Always exactly. barbless. <laughs> so, so when I started, when I was out on the ocean, uh, there was, there was a guy, I, you know, he was fairly prominent in the area. I think he owned a big business and I wrote him a ticket. He had a barbed hook, you know, no, no big deal. And then next thing I knew, I got a complaint like, Oh, this guy was checking me with a cotton ball and all this other stuff. And I was like, what? And luckily my boss was there and he didn't realize that was my boss that was with me at the time. And my boss quashed that one. So we have had, uh, that question come up in the past, you know, do you guys check with a cotton ball pantyhose, something like that? And I said, no, no, that's not what we're out there doing. Generally speaking, what I try to tell people is, hey, take your pliers, whatever you're using to crimp the barb. And usually if I can run my finger across it and my skin doesn't necessarily catch it, you can hold the the hook up to the light and kind of see whether it's still pointing out far enough where it's going to catch or if it's curled over. For me personally, when I'm checking stuff, when it's curled over, I'm pretty good, good. with it. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank sense. you for clearing that up. There's yeah, been like, a lot of debate on that Yeah, one. no, no cotton balls. <laughs> they're not, they're not issued equipment. Cool. 
<laughs> Chad's biggest question is uh, he, he wants to know how many rods he's allowed to carry on the river at Man, any he, one time. He, yeah. he looks like he can carry a lot of rods. <laughs> so I would say as many as he can pack in his backpack. He so can three's take, fine? Like a, no, a dry rod, nymph rod, you can streamer take, rod? You're fine, yeah. Carrying Never. rods is not an issue. Obviously, right. we have the you know, double rod, rod stamp, stamp for or, yeah, using I'm, the rods. But right. carrying rods with you, you can, okay, you can so, pack as many as you but want. But what if I have a golf bag and in that golf bag are eight <laughs> rods? That, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a picture of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that only applies if you got you know if you're on the river or lake and you're, you've got you're just one person in a boat and you've got two rods out. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, or that's or they're the gonna like one. take a picture of me with you and then that's gonna play at my retirement party. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that one before. <laughs> what do you do? You recall anything that's just been wacky that you've you've seen? Uh, you know. That it, it's tough, you know. You see stuff over the years, and then you just forget about yeah. you know certain things. I mean, not too long ago, I like you know get a call in the middle of the night, and this lady is telling me that there's like an anaconda out on the road in front of her house and stuff. And and I knew who the lady was, and I think she had some uh, substance issues, but um, you know stuff like that's just random. You know, you hear, you know, like I mean, it's kind of random to get a phone call from cal fire saying hey we we had this fire and uh pretty much what caused it was the bear that's like you know electrocuted to the pole right now and still hanging there do you, you guys what do we do with it type of deal uh, i don't know just i guess is take it, a picture is it gonna stink and leave it there you know but um you know you come across you know weird questions and weird things across the years and then it's like it's in it's there and then it's gone. You know, so many of them over the years. So, well, speaking of a- animal carcasses, and I, I didn't ask you this one earlier, but um, you talked about the deer. You talked about poaching. If when you catch a poacher, what happens with all that meat? What do you guys do with that? Um, well, I mean, it, it it's kind of dependent over the years. There's been t- there was a time where we tried to make the you know donate the meat if we could, uh, you yeah. know, make sure it got used. Um, it, it's it quite honestly, I mean, in the end, it, it's dependent upon, um, uh, your supervisors, like how they want you to deal with it. It's evidence. So a lot of times it gets stored to some degree. Sometimes we'll, um, have the animal processed and held at the locker until the case disposed. And then the person can go, if the judge orders it forfeited mm-hmm. at that point, that's kind of a tough one. Cause you know, if they're, they're, they don't necessarily want us giving that stuff to the public because it's like, oh, okay, is it, um, do, are we responsible for how it was cared yeah, for like and whatnot? Yeah, it's like a liability issue. So, so generally speaking, it's just one of those things where um, you, you do your best to try to make it uh, back, let it go back to nature, I guess, and, okay. in the end. So. Yeah, because I pictured like this, you know, it, the end scene of Raiders Lost Ark where they, they roll the Ark of the Covenant in, but it's this big meat locker. Yeah. And then at the end of the no. year, you guys throw these huge parties. So, and, so. And Sometimes um, Nick's just shaking his head like, yeah, shut up. Some of the dead stuff that we come across, um, we do utilize some uh, with our academy. We have a game care day where, you know, they actually get to work on, um, you know, gutting, skinning, things like that, where they get some experience for the people that don't have as much experience as others. Um, So that's a benefit to them. Um, Generally speaking, though, I'd have to say this, this stuff goes bye-bye it either gets frozen and, and held or it just it goes back to nature one of so. the biggest issues you guys deal with is roadkill and people just coming and grabbing back straps off a of deer back straps or sawing off some antlers or something like that illegal. 100% oh, illegal yeah you yep. can't do that yep so, cannot yeah yeah, well, I guess everybody would be hunting with their car if it was legal huh? <laughs> that's and that's, that's what issue. we have to tell people is that that's exactly slope. what would happen so wow 
Um, so there's been a lot of uh, uh, questions and, and uh, thoughts towards people spearfishing the river lately. Uh-huh. Um, and we kind of went over that a little bit, but um, can you just explain a little bit uh, how that works? And so as far- I had to, yeah, I've, I've been asked that question a few times. I, I initially, the first time a year and a half ago or so, I, I had to look it up myself just to kind of clarify it for me. But uh, on the Sacramento River here, which, you know, I work the most, um, from the Tehama County line down. So Butte County, basically, they can do it. It's, mm-hmm. It is legal to be out in the Sacramento River and spearfish. From uh, May Shriver. to September 15th Yeah, I think it was May, like May 1st to September 15th, I think, is what we just looked up. Yeah. So um, it's right there in the regs. So, right. um, yeah, I, I know it's, it's kind of controversial because you have the people that want to be out there that they, you know, uh, catch and release they'll catch these nice fish and then mm-hmm. release it so to, for another day right. then obviously there's other people that have other consumptive ideas about it and everything else and it, the law is it's there for them they can do it and um right. you know it's uh indiscriminate to that degree because when you spear one it's dead it's not like you're going to be able to let it go usually i mean i would imagine most yeah. of them are dead at that point so yeah. i have had a few fish come off the spear out in the ocean but you know right it is what it is right so yeah, so it is legal uh, from the you know Butte County line down. You know, mm-hmm. so not in Tehama County, not in Shasta County. Uh, I think Black Butte, uh, Black Butte Reservoir, it said you could uh, use it out there, and it lists the species that you can actually spearfish. And what about uh, bow hunting for carp? Is that uh, that's bow very, hunting? Yeah, yeah, it's become pretty popular. Um, it's it's covered right here in the regs two point two five in the in the fishing regulation booklet and. Um, Let's see. Do you want to read? Want me to read no, it? that's you don't it's, have to it's read there. It. It's, I just read the <laughs> numbers. As long as so we know it's legal. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a le- there's a legal place for it. There's there's going to be designated places where you can't use it, but I'd say um, you just read the reg and, and stick cool. with. I think that. one of our listeners saw some guys doing it and um, wasn't sure. Yeah, and they were just leaving the carcasses, you know, like sure. right there on the side of the river. And you know, so. I mean, I, I've I've t- you know, like what do you do when you're, you're spearfishing carp? You know, most fishermen are like, yeah, that's great because they're egg eaters. They mm-hmm. eat all your salmon eggs and, mm-hmm. and other you know game fish and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they're not necessarily a game fish. So right. um, I don't in terms of uh, waste of fish and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it, usually just try to explain the law what the law sure. says in terms of that and sure. let people know. So, right. So Chad, what, um, ha- also had a lot of questions in regards to, um, this fish cleaning for salmon on okay. the river. Cause I know in the past and a long time ago, growing up as a kid, we, you know, kind of grew up cleaning a salmon out there and sure. throwing the carcass in the river, but that's changed, right? As Yeah. As no. Uh, um, so filleting salmonoids and in the waters, it's, uh, listed under a 1.45 here in the title 14. Um, you can't, fillet the fish you have to wait till you get home like if you're actually fishing the exceptions were um from july 1st through december 31st on the main stem of the american and feather and the main stem of the sacramento river between deschutes road bridge and tower bridge so like in our area down here you wouldn't be able to do it uh now if you were fishing with a guide if you're out fishing with a guide or something you would be okay the guy the guide would be okay filleting that fish for you because their job is considered a preservation facility in, mm-hmm. in terms of being able to do that for mm-hmm. you. They have to log all their stuff in their guide log book and whatnot. So, right. yeah, so there, that's, that's that part of it. But so, if you or I were just out fishing, we'd have to wait till we got home with our salmon to fillet it. So they need to keep that carcass Correct. in their boat when they, after they fillet it, they have to keep it still, right? The, or, uh, the guide, the guide, you know, it doesn't, I don't see where it says that. So, yeah. Yeah. 
it uh it's interesting i mean you know it it some people might think that's unfair like how how come they can do it and yeah and i don't have a good answer for that one honestly you know right. it, it it's trusting the guy to, you know it's a business and everything to do the right thing you know I'm sure there's a lot of business owners in Chico that are finding <laughs> salmon carcasses in, in their trash can. Yeah, never, yeah. <laughs> never fun using those garbage cans out there at the uh, the launch ramps this time of year, huh? Um, so, a lot of uh, things have probably changed for you guys as far as social media goes. Do you have any comment on, on that and how you? And you know, I think it's just it's easy for people to share stuff, communicate. Yeah. You know, when something happens. So let's say you know. Uh, you know, some guy out there gives some false information and then mm-hmm. throws it on social media and then it just blows up and it, it just bounces around. And now all these people are confused based upon what one person is saying. And, and it may not be the case. You know, right. it's like when somebody walks up to me and says, you know, hey, this guy did this or this. I was treated this way by, you know, another warden. Let's say it's like, well, I wasn't there. Like, I don't know. What, what did you do to possibly provoke it? You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those deals where if you weren't there. Uh, I always tell people get the best information. You know, call an office, get a hold of one of us, right. figure out the regs that way. Don't just take it for word of mouth from somebody that may or may not know. You know, if you haven't read it yourself and and saw for yourself, you might want to make that phone call, and not just believe right. you know, some guy that's standing next to you down on the river. Yeah. Do you recall like any just wild things where somebody's coming up and saying, "Oh my God, they're like moving," you know, elk into Butte County, or there's mountain lion transports, or you know, bears, you, all that stuff. You know, I mean, I, I I can't really think. You know, we talked about that the cotton ball thing. You know, that was one of those hilarious ones <laughs> in the past that just came up. You're like, "What are you talking about? I've never heard of that before." You know, you get the weird questions like, you know, some gap thing on a hook or something, and I just look stuff up for people and kind of just mm-hmm. give them the information. Um, in terms of like, like funny story or something, man, I, I, you guys stumped me on that one earlier. I couldn't think of the, the last time I just had this, you know, crazy, you know, Oh, we can do this. And no, you can't do that. You know, the big, it might be a little inappropriate for the the podcast, (laughs) the ones that come to mind. Oh yeah. I'm I'm sure you guys hear a lot of funny stuff. (laughs) There's been a lot of, um, uh, homeless encampments coming up and showing up on long, like the feather and things like that. Have you, Uh, are you guys, yeah. Especially in I, I tell you what, it's, it's, um, I don't, I, I talk to people about this constantly. Um, the hard thing is I don't, I don't think anybody has a like good answer right. for it. Sure. Yep. Um, I've dealt with that on Butte Creek here. Um, that's, I, I patrol Butte Creek a lot and it's pretty easy for them to get into some of the areas on Butte Creek. And just before all the rain hit last October, um, our fisheries, uh, guys down here at the Chico office and, um, friends of Butte Creek, uh, a lot of folks from, from there came in and did a video cleanup and we filled a 20 yard dumpster and then another bobtail truck with junk off the Creek. Just, wow. from just below from, cover bridge, just from highway 99 up about, I'll say a half mile to three quarters of a mile. Wow. So wow. a lot of problems down in there. Wow. We're constantly having to go down there and, and kick them out and, and get stuff cleaned up. Butte County, has helped us out a lot here lately. We've been able to utilize their uh, work crews for coming out and, and helping with some of that. But yes, the, the homeless encampment issue on our waterways is a big one. Mm-hmm. Obviously we all care about it cause we know all that trash and right. all that other stuff that is coming 
uh, is going somewhere and, yeah. and we're standing in it or dealing with it. A lot of um, needles. I mean, I had a friend know, that was cleaning up and there, she was finding needles everywhere. I mean, it gave her, you have to be very careful about, when you're cleaning up yeah. because the stuff's everywhere. If you right. just start grabbing stuff, you know, that could happen. Yeah. And, um, so it makes it difficult and it's just, a, it's a constant problem. I mean, we can go out there one week and kick everybody out and clean up the stuff. And literally a week later, it'll be just right. like filled back in again. And wow. I, I don't, I wish I had a good answer for it. Um, I'm sure the community leaders wish they had a good answer for it. And, and hopefully at some point we, we start like working towards a better goal because mm-hmm. it's tough. It's, it's out there and it's, it's like not going away. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like more of a political will, willpower problem than it probably anything, is you know? you know for me it's just it for me it's just like this miracle round of yeah. of going to do my other stuff with my job then coming back around to this one location or that certain locations and having to go in you know tell somebody they have to get out within Rouse 48 hours and, and get all their stuff granted they take a, a quarter of it and they leave three quarters of it there for us to clean up again and then we got to get a work crew in there to clean it up and then people wonder well where are our resources going how come we're not getting this service from the county or this service from the city it's because there's people going having to go down there and clean mm-hmm. up all the time you know and it takes money to do that it takes man hours and money and everything else and it's a, it's going to be a constant problem and it is something that we all have to get together and think about because you know from our aspect of you know hunters and fishermen and whatnot we're thinking about the water the fish and everything else and then there's other people that just want to go out there for a nature walk or something right. and not run into a camp full of junk right and or you know have their kids out there or something like that so yeah. it definitely is an issue how yeah, do you I get mean, involved if you want to become if you want to help clean or do something like that how would you you know would be the best way to, to i'm sure social media wise i'm sure like looking for specific cleanup days yeah. I, I know friends of butte creek has a couple of different cleanup days you know i, I know they do with that. the upper the upper portion of the canyon a lot of times they do cleanup days mm-hmm. That one specifically was just me contacting one of their um, uh, members and talking to them about it, and and he got the group together to come down and assist with us. Wow. Um, our fish, like I said, our fisheries people down here at the Chico office did a great. They they all pitched in. We had a bunch of people out there cleaning stuff up, and I mean yeah. the bikes, the tires, the junk, just right. tons of it. It was pretty bad. Wow. Um, that's well. That's a. Go ahead. You well, yeah, the, there was kind of a related question from one of the guides, and he was asking uh, what the largest threat to natural resources is in Butte yeah. County. Like, has your perception of what the what the biggest? You threat know, would be? I, I think it can that that's obviously a, a moving target. It probably could always change. Um, you know, in general, I just say people in general, right? So, I mean, that issue there, it's it's a person related issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people going down there and leaving junk and and whatnot. Obviously. If we don't get to it in time and the water comes up and it creates uh, it creates trash and, and, you know, they have batteries down there at times. You know, there's the, the hazardous waste issues and whatnot that are real. Um, Guys spraying WD-40 on their jigs when they're I, sent- I, <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Wait, I know. What is that? What is that, about? that was a question. That, that he was just, the, there was a time where people yeah. used to ask, you know, like they used to spray WD-40 on, a, on their lure or something. What was the rationale? I guess it was an attractant to some degree, but you know, WD forty is a petroleum product to that degree, right. and it's it you can't yeah that's illegal. That's a <laughs> so that's, they they have all those smelly fish jellies out there and stuff for that now. Well, Did you hear that, speaking, Darren? I won't say your last name. Speaking <laughs> of speaking of smelly substances, uh, there was a question about marijuana. Um, enforcement uh-huh. that's part of what you do right um you know we have specific groups teams of people that work on that stuff now so at a, there was a time where all of us as wardens would get asked by our local sheriff's department or something to help out and we just help 
provide bodies and we've kind of moved past that now we have specific teams that go out and work on that stuff and that that actually leaves uh, you know wardens that are assigned to specific areas to concentrate on what you know the the wildlife stuff the game is and that, fishery stuff yeah, yeah and, and their cool. stuff is really important i mean they they when you go into some of these groves and see how they've destroyed a waterway or put chemicals into it or whatever the case may be it's really important to get to those get them cleaned up and uh, get the the waterway back to where because back to the way it was because there are fish that use it so yeah my hope is that you know once the legislation kicks in next year and everything's hunky-dory legal wise um there will not be an economic incentive for these people to do these kind of bushwhack build grows you know you certainly hope so but even with that you know even the stuff that i guess has been you know on the quote up and up permitted and, and whatnot i mean what what can happen out there you know to a hillside to a you know, like a I've river, been a, a river, just seeing a, the a river yeah, tributary, yeah, tributary chemicals being used. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Little tributary creeks and things like that, that are important mm-hmm. to the main waterway um, can still be affected depending upon, you know, how people are doing things. So it, it'll probably take some time until we have enough bodies in place to, you know, check stuff on a regular basis. But that is the, the way it's going right now is to have people out there that will be able to check for that type of uh, activity and make sure people aren't doing that type of damage under the, the, the legal portions of it, you know, there, there's always going to be somebody out there that's trying to do one. I know it's illegal. Big fear, of, like on the Eel River, just in that area that what are you, the Emerald Triangle or whatever they mm-hmm. call it, but just that drainage. I mean, there's just been so much evidence of it going on, and there people are afraid it's going to affect the salmon and, and steelhead. It runs, could, you know? it could. I mean, and so it's going to take everybody realizing, you know, that hey, this is could be detrimental, and mm-hmm. and actually wanting to make a change so that that doesn't happen. So right. Um. What's your favorite place to, to go and, and work as far as assignment? You mentioned you like to go to the ocean and fish and, spe- and do I some do. things yourself. Do you like uh, going yeah, out? Do, and they, do they kind of send you on? You know what? Um, out, we do get asked. Yeah, we do get asked now and again to um, go work other areas. I, I would have to say that going out to the coast and to the Mendo coast and working uh, abalone, abalone yeah. stuff, is it's just the sheer numbers of people. I mean, um, when you're out there and you see, you know, in a, in a three quarter mile th- stretch of beach, like 500 people. You're just like, Oh my gosh. And most oh. people can't, um, really re- can't like fathom what that is. Like, how do you look like, what, what do you look, what you even look for? And I don't know what it is, you know, uh, instinct or whatever. You just, boop, 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 boop. you lock <laughs> yeah. onto something and there Radar. it is. You just start kind of watching and <laughs> there you awesome. go. Okay. Hand off here you know, this happens, that happens, and you, and you end up making a case. But there's multi, those guys that work out there are phenomenal. I mean, they can make cases that, you know, I, I see little things and they just see, they can see like five things happening at once. Um, they do a really good job out there, but it is fun to go out there and help them out. You know, they, there's never enough. You know, you can always put more people out there doing that. Uh, two years ago, I went down and worked the trout opener uh, down on the Eastern Sierras, you know, down on like Bishop and that area. And that was just area. Yeah. That was really fun. I, I um, uh, worked around the Mammoth area and the, um, oh, what's the loop there? The June Lake loop mm. and uh, worked some of that area. And that was really fun. I, I, I was, I, it was, it was like working abalone. It was, I was surprised at just how many people. people were there. It was insane, but um, not a lot of violations. The fishing was a little slow, but you know, we had a few things going on and which just, checking people you know constantly and we hiked it we hiked into some high lakes you know dressed up and looked like the fishermen and got up in some high lakes and stuff and and so watched you do them. undercover stuff a little bit yeah Ooh, yeah you sneaky. gotta gotta work that in every once in a while so 
<laughs> yeah, it's fun. You know, it's changing it up sometimes and uh, just doing some different stuff is what makes this job fun. And and sometimes you have to do that because there's things going on that, you know, if you just walked up with your uniform shirt on, people are just going to stop, right? And right. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's kind of cool to, to work that way. I had a, a friend, he's, he wanted to know <clears throat> why we have to start using steel so much and, instead of lead. And he's like, there's gonna, people are going crazy. There's going to be a civil war and I'm going to be on the side shooting lead and we're going to win because the other side shooting steel at us. <laughs> <I don't> know, <laughs> yeah, let's not hope we get to that point. But uh, I know, right? He, he was cracking it, it up. You know, yeah, the, the dove season's coming up. Obviously, if you're hunting federal and state lands, you got to be using steel shot. Mm-hmm. If you're on private property, you'd still be good to be shooting lead shot at, until, at dove right now. Until, until 2019? Correct, yep. yeah. And and I, I don't know. Obviously, I tell people, always keep an eye on the regulations mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot for any changes that might come about. But right now, that's 2019 is when the, the full effect will come in for a non-toxic. We have a, a lot state. of lead, like seven and eight shot, that we just need to start shooting you know because of that change but sure. I, I just feel like i'm going to start buying steel because i go and hunt the river and you know and you, I, I don't want to just i don't want to be oh you got a lead shell in your in your pot you know yeah. and so I, just, I i you know and i think there's a level of discretion that we're using for people that you know occasionally have you know this that you know one shell on them or something along mm-hmm. those lines but mm-hmm. you know in the end you try got to be a little more careful because if you right. are going to be bounced around private property, federal property, state property, things mm-hmm. like that, especially on the river, that's a, a easy place for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, just just going with the most restrictive is probably the best yeah. call. So, yep. absolutely. Should be a good dove opener though. It's I nice and the, hot. No, no cold snap this 107 year. We should, degrees. We should have I know. Plenty of dove. Yeah. I was out so, scouting this morning. There's they're definitely flying. Yeah, I haven't gotten into that. I don't think I will. I've got guns, but. You know what? It's, it's really. uh, this time of year. It's kind of fun. You know, you get the guys out there. They, you know, usually when there's a salmon bite going, they'll fish salmon in the morning or something. Cast and blast. And yeah, cast and blast. They'll get out there <laughs> and do a little salmon fishing, do a little dove shooting and whatnot. And uh, been a little slow out there for the fishing though. So it's probably just going to be a blast day. I Are think. there any uh, changes and regulations for dove mojos that you see coming, or uh, as far as that goes? Or no, not, no, yeah. I haven't seen anything like that. Yeah. So those things work actually pretty good to, yeah. to bring them on in and right. Know, yeah, almost too well. You, you you go to set up your site and you beat it in on a dove, and then all of a sudden it decides to dive bomb onto the top oh, of a mojo. Tell me about <laughs> it. Yeah. I've seen that happen. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. A little spin, a little spinning wing action. Oh, uh, we called the duck versions those robo ducks. Yeah, yep. pretty yeah. much same thing, okay. same concept, okay. and, and it, they work pretty good. So, but what else do we got? Well, we've got um, we got the question on drift boats from one of the guys. So he said, for with the recent increased use of motors on drift boats. Yeah, um, you know, um, I, I haven't seen a lot of that myself. But you know, in terms of just you know what what the regulations require, you know, the boat has to be um, uh, licensed and everything. You have to have your you know CF number on it and everything if you're going to be using a motor and whatnot. You'd have to you know have your you have to have all your life jackets and signaling devices and whatnot, anyways. So I, I don't know of any like changing regulations to like restrict anything based upon there's been like an increase i haven't heard of anything like that so yeah he he also asked about the navigable did i say that right navigable yeah navigable um definition for say the feather and and sacramento rivers are those classified yeah yeah those are both navigable waterways absolutely absolutely yeah i I didn't know you know i was just up the summer up in on tahoe you know paddle boarding and then the Coast Guard said, hey, you need to have a life jacket with you. I was like, oh, I guess if you have a paddle, you have to have a life jacket. So uh, I was unaware of that. Interesting. Yeah. 
I do not have life jackets on my drift boat. Now you need and to change there's, that. There's exactly two paddles <laughs> on my drift boat. There was almost only one paddle, but we already covered that in a previous episode. There you go. So it says, when uh, California came into statehood, September 9th, 1850, by 1854, California had a fishing game law that applied to all counties. Um, within only 20 years of statehood, the California governor, legislator, and its citizens realized the value of our precious natural resources, so they introduced wardens, two of them. One in San Francisco and one in Lake Tahoe, um, which was one warden for every... By 1907, there was 2.3 million Californians and 73 game wardens, or one warden for 32,000 people. Yeah. Um, now it's uh, by 2004... Uh, I'm sorry, 1987, and with 30 million people in California, we have 264 wardens, one for every 106,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it's tough. I mean, I'd say right now we're probably hovering I'm just gonna throw out a number, I'm probably a little off, but you know, around four hundred and fifty, you know, and and I don't know how you know, you would add in the supervisors and things like that mm-hmm. in terms of just, just wardens mm-hmm. versus um chain of command type folks. But uh, you said we, you work at the academy, so you get a lot of. Are you having a lot of people apply um, um, as of late, or is it? You know, of, I, you know, I don't know what the specific numbers were of no. applicants. I know the next class, um, they, they're hoping to fill the class with fifty people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we, we there is an attrition rate throughout the academy, and we know that every year. Uh, we just graduated. Oh. Some of them weren't sponsored, but we just we're we're getting ready to put um, out into the field right now on training. I believe it's twenty. I think it's twenty two, twenty three people right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting ready to put out there in a training right now, so that'll add to our ranks. And then you know, the, the next we only have one academy a year. So wow, the yeah. reason I bring that up is because I think it's it's really important for us as anglers and citizens to be you know eyes and ears for you guys, you it, know, and and help you as much as we can because. It, it makes a huge in difference. In our best interest, yeah. for sure. It, it makes a huge difference. You know, I, I every once in a while, there was a guy that I knew that uh, hunted, and um, we would talk about things that were going on. And he was one of those guys that was real hesitant. Like, he felt like he uh, didn't want to rat people out. You know, he didn't. Right. He was one of those kind of old school people that was like, well, I just don't really feel it's right to, to you know, call you guys up or something. And I, I would tell him, like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, so when the sport's gone you can just put some of the blame on your shoulders because mm-hmm. you weren't one of those folks that was willing to make a difference when there is when there is a person out there that's willing to steal from all of us and take something. Um, you, if there's someone that sees that, you know, we can't make all the cases. We can't be everywhere at, at every time. Right. So, right. you know, having somebody that, you know, I give my card out like candy and say, hey, here's my card. And, you know, call me if you have mm-hmm. something. And, I mean, I'll be, I'll be on vacation out of state somewhere. And if my phone rings, you know, at the very least, I'll check the message. And, yeah. and I'll call one of the guys that is here working and say, hey, this information just came across. Can you look into right. it? And uh, I think it's super important to be able to do that. I mean, you know, it we're, there's only so many of us. And if I'm not making that phone call or checking my messages and doing stuff like that, mm-hmm. something slips through the cracks and then we don't make that case or we don't catch that person. And I think, you know, the, the opportunities to do that at times, you know, are far and few between, you know, there's a lot of stuff. It's, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on out there right? and there's not a lot of us. And, and I like to tell citizens that you guys, you guys make the difference. You know, mm-hmm. you guys are the ones that can really make the difference for us. Well, it got me fired up as seeing uh, guys uh, bonk wild steelhead on the, the yeah. Feather River. I got pretty fired up on that one and yep. picked up the phone really quick. 
you know, and, and we need that. And, yeah. you know, just, I usually, what I try to tell people is the best thing you can do is just grab a license plate for us. You know, sometimes folks will call us and say, Oh, I saw a great truck, you know, and they, they threw a deer in the back and okay, that's great. You know, but did you get a license plate for me? Because a great truck, you know, how many are out there? Right. right. So mm-hmm. I, I really impress upon people. You don't have to, t- you don't have to say anything to them. You don't have to say, Hey, you a bad guy. You're not supposed to do that. Just grab me a license plate and then we can at least follow up, you know, try to, you know, figure out where that person lives or, or something along those lines. A lot of times we can get there to their house and be waiting there for them when they get there. Hi. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, um, as and this might be a tough question as a warden and a hunter, but all this legislation that is being passed in California is kind of making it tough for sportsmen's and pe- anglers and people to get out, mm-hmm. I, you know, not to a certain degree, but they feel like it, they feel pressured and, and it's kind of scaring them away from it. do you feel like that? Do you feel like that's true or I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know if that part is true. You know what I try to do with folks that, um, may not agree with, you know, hunting or fishing or something like, something like that. I just try to explain to them, you know, what we do and, and what it means to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the processes I go through to, you know, get better at it and educate myself and um, the camaraderie that goes into it with my friends and going out into the field. And, you know, it, it's, you see, it's so easy just to see one aspect of something, you know, right. somebody posing with an animal, like it's a trophy or a fish or whatever, right. and then not realizing what that person put into it or what that means to that person. You know, it's, it's so easy for us to say, Hey, that's not right. Or I want to take that away from you. Whereas if maybe you explain to him like, well, what do you really like to do? And what if I took that away from you and try to put it in perspective? There are those folks out there that just aren't going to listen to you. They just don't right. want to hear it. Right. But there are those people out there that just kind of are uneducated. So maybe when we take the chance to like educate them on why we do what we do and, mm-hmm. and how we do it and what goes into it, they may not want to do it, but they may start understanding that it's just, we're, we're just like them. They're, it's something that we enjoy they always put the the aspect of killing something or hurting something onto mm-hmm. it. And hey, life is violent. I mean, things happen every day. You know, limb falls off a tree. That's a you know violent thing that happened to that tree. But right. in terms of just, you know, life out there, you know, that's part of what we do. Maybe some of us tap into, mm-hmm. you know, our, our uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, our uh, ancestral instincts. You know, yeah, instincts yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Our inner caveman. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. I was you know? thinking that the whole time you were talking. So, so really. you know, we, 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 we do that stuff. And some people are like, hey, I just want to get on my iPad and, you know, check something out. You know, that's yeah. not my thing. But, you know, I, I think it's huge education-wise. I think mm-hmm. just trying to talk to people, explain things really helps all of us out. And, and then, you know, the guys that are on the borderline of doing dumb stuff, you know, trying to explain to them, like, how that could affect all of us. Right. Some of them aren't going to care, but, you know, maybe you get that one person that you can say, hey, you know, you realize when you do that, you're messing it up for everybody. That That's going to put a bad, you know, uh, bad light on the sport for all of us. So. And, and that's, the, I go back to thinking about uh, rivers being closed or, you know, um, protected. And I always thought that it would it would be neat if, you know, just like up in Oregon, the, um, the Umpqua, right? Mm-hmm. The, they have that fly fishing only section, uh-huh. um, and which is kind of, you know, it's kind of basically protecting it. You don't have, you know, conventional anglers using all those different advanced tools to get down to the fish. Sure, sure. You can't use weight to get down and catch these fish, right? It's yeah. just, it's a, yeah. 
I, I feel like that would be a neat implementation to a lot of different rivers. One, we're going to be out there and we're going to be eyes and ears for you, mm-hmm. you know, and two, it's just going to allow us to, to still enjoy the sport and, and fish some of these places that are potentially being closed. Or yeah, shut I, down I think fishing, the hope, I mean, know? at least like from my perspective, the hope is always if something gets closed, there's a recovery time frame, And then when right. things are looking good, it opens back up. It's not like right. a complete, For, like we're taking that away from you. It shouldn't right. be that way. Right. You know, like, I, I don't know, you know, I don't get involved with politics sure, and that sure. seems to affect things more than anything. Right. But, you know, like, like out on here on the Sac River, for instance, with all the, you know, the different fed and state properties, you know, most of them are boat in only, yeah. you know, like I try to explain to people like, man, because some people every once in a while think that's unfair. Like, well, I can't access. Well, there are driving access and walking access yep. for you. Yep. But in the end, if we had all those properties that were all walk-in, they'd all be overrun. and Just get and hammered. they get hammered. Exactly. And so by, by limiting it to a certain degree, you, you know, you, you have a better experience. You go out mm-hmm. there, you see more deer, you see more turkeys or, or dove or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, you know, or you get that special spot where there's a good hole right there to fish and, and whatnot. And so it changes the dynamics a little bit, but you know, it just makes you have to work for it a little bit more. To me, it's fun. I get on, you, I got on my iPad to go over some notes with you and you saw I had the Afton <laughs> unit brought up, you know, yeah. and, and different units on the river yeah. and, and it's, yeah. it's homework, you know, you gotta get, you gotta do your homework and get it figured out. And, and to me, it is kind of fun. It is. You know? And you know, there, there are like you asked earlier, like, you know, what are those spots? You know, I've got my spots that I just send people <laughs> like, Oh yeah, go over here, you know, cause it's like, Hey, it's, it's, it's legal. You, you know, you can do this and that they have the opportunity to see something but you know i don't necessarily give up all the the great you know i've right. I've developed my own spots you know we all do and you don't you don't lie to anybody you just tell them hey you know this is a good spot over here but you know yeah i'm not gonna tell you where my hot spot <laughs> is because man that's my hot spot you know i've had to keep chad quiet a couple of times on this bar bliss or we, we <laughs> edit out some little, i'm a little too loose with the info apparently <laughs> 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 Oh, no, it's man. all fun. All fun. It is. It is. It's, it's, you know, and then you get, you get a dad that comes and asks you and they got a kid or something. So, so, you know, you have a little more, uh, in that one to say, Hey, yeah, okay, go out to the spot here. You'll, you'll see something good, you know, cause you know, there's that other part of bringing up the next generation and, you know, it's not all about getting something, but it's about out there going having the experience and having them see things and, and whatnot and mm-hmm. ex- experience the whole thing, you know, whether it's hunting or fishing. So, right. Well, speaking of that, I, you know, thank you for coming and doing this with us. And as a thank you, I want to, you can come out and fish with me, with your kids, <laughs> a free fly fishing trip, whenever you want to go, I'll, I'll be happy to take you out. So all that's right. kind of my thank you to you for, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, we can't do all that kind of stuff, but we'll, <laughs> we could do it as friends or something. And, okay. And you can, you can show me a, a some cool spot to go fish. Okay. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for coming in, Chad. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah, no, I'm happy to come in anytime. Super informative. And, well, I, I hope so. I hope, you know, I'm, I'm just one of many of us. You know, all of us have a little different uh, idea that we bring to the table when we go out and do the job and whatnot. But, um, you know, I've I talked to a lot of the guys. I've, I've trained a lot of them now and, and whatnot. And I still learn stuff all the time mm-hmm. from guys that I've trained. They teach me things that I don't know, you know, obviously – no, technology wise, you know, I'm kind of old school, so I, I, you know, do things a little different, but, uh, there's a lot out there nowadays and we're always learning stuff. And, and I think if we all just kind of talk and do things, you know, we can try to keep all these sports going yeah. and enjoy it for years to come. So you bet for generations yeah, to come. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for coming in. Everyone that's listening, thank you guys for the support. Keep the questions coming in. Remember the hotline number five, three, zero, six, three, six, 2523. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.
This podcast would not be possible without support from our sponsors, FishBio and Amp.Bill. FishBio is a consulting firm that offers a fresh approach to fishery science. They specialize in fish research, monitoring, and conservation with innovative uses of technology and communication. From their offices in Chico, Oakdale, and Santa Cruz, California, to Vienchen, Laos, FishBio is committed to solving natural resource challenges locally and globally. Learn more at www.fishbio.com. And Amp.Bill. Amp is a software design and engineering shop located in Chico, California. Amp creates beautiful apps for mobile and desktop devices, wearables, and the Internet of Things. Amp develops native, web, and hybrid apps on a variety of platforms. Chad, who co-hosts this podcast, is the agency's founder. Learn more at www.amp.bill.